The bar is hopping, which is surprising because it's mid-January, six months off tourist season and dreary as hell outside. It's also not the most popular bar in Westport, serving mostly locals and those who just want a quiet pint. Tonight, there seems to be some sort of party going on. The level of chat is high and the sound of someone strumming a guitar floats around the room. All the tables except one are taken up with young people, laughing, shouting, swilling back pints or doing shots, while four elderly men crouch around the remaining table in the corner, eyeing the interlopers in annoyance. Larry, Ben, Dan and I are at the bar, there being nowhere else to go. We're celebrating the closing of a case that had led to the conviction of two men for assault and robbery. They'd plagued the locality for close to eight months before their granny had finally turned them in. She was sick, she declared in court, of trying to get them on the right path. To the right path, Larry raises his pint. And to Granny Ryan. To the right path, we chant, clinking glasses. And to Granny Ryan. To Granny Ryan! A tipsy red-headed woman to our right shouts, having overheard us. And to all who sail in her, someone else chimes in amid laughter. The redhead chortles loudly in a frantic sort of way. There's something familiar. Lucy, do you hear what I just said? Larry asks. He follows my gaze, screws up his face. I'm not into redheads. Larry is a total player. I'm just waiting for the day when some woman will break his heart, but it's looking increasingly unlikely. I doubt that redhead is into arsehole narcissists. I pull my gaze away from her and refocus on the lads. For some reason, while I've been mentally congratulating myself on my clever comeback, they've suddenly developed an air of nervous apprehension. What? Larry won't meet my gaze as he mumbles, I, uh, well, mm, Larissa McKenna died. Isn't she the one? He doesn't finish his sentence. Instead, his eyes slide right into his pint glass. I know what he was about to say. Isn't she the one who threw acid in your face? Did you draw the short straw and having to tell me that, Lar? I ask. All three have the grace to look abashed. I tried to tell you, Dan says, but there was no right time. I told him to just say it out straight, Larry says, but he's a bloody pussy. Sorry. Dan winces. Thank you for your sensitivity in choosing this pub to break it to me, I say. It's so the right place. You're welcome. Larry totally misses my sarcasm. You all right? Dan asks. I think I am. It's a relief, to be honest. I'd known she was released a couple of years ago and had always wondered where she was. In all my years on the force, her attack had been the most traumatic thing that had ever happened to me. She'd been the wife of one of my informants who had turned state's witness. He'd gone on to witness protection while she had refused to go, unwilling to uproot her child. She had walked into the Dublin station, where I worked at the time, and accused me of robbing her of her husband. I suppose I had. 
The next thing I remember was pain, searing, burning, horrific pain. And the surgeon telling me that there was only so much he could do and that I'd have to live with a huge scar down the left side of my face. It was as if the bottom had fallen out of my world. Cancer, Larry says then. Liver. Lucy Golden, hey! The voice breaks into our conversation. It's the red-headed woman again. I should know her, I think. She's older than she first appears, a little younger than me, maybe. Attractive, her hair a riot of corkscrew curls, framing a thin face with over-large green eyes. She's wearing red jeans and a yellow top, the clothes making her stand out in this packed but dreary pub. Her makeup is bright too, scarlet lipstick that clashes with the hair. The three men make room for her to squeeze in, Ben giving her a not-so-subtle once-over.